Judges chapter 21. Let's focus on Judges chapter 21. And uh, before we start reading this chapter, uh, I do want to read some random verses to you uh, that uh, we want. I want us to keep in mind because this chapter is another chapter that you know. In the past, I've, I've never preached through this whole chapter before, and you know, and I've read it many, many times throughout my life. But it's one of these stories you read it and you're just it just doesn't set well with you. There's a lot of stuff in Judges that when you're reading it, it doesn't really set well with you because of the fact that again. We're just reading about what happened. God's not putting a stamp of approval on anything that's taken place. And when you're looking at this story and you're reading the story, you're just like, this doesn't seem right. And you know why? Because it isn't right. What we are about to see in Judges chapter 21 is terrible. This is another really bad story, which is pretty much most of what we see in Judges is we see terrible stories where God's people are doing terrible things. And even the good guys in the book of Judges have some pretty major flaws in their life. But what we see is God being merciful and God delivering them anyway. And, but um, the, this book is a book that Israel should have been ashamed of. It's one they should have read. And when they were in captivity, they should have said, yep, I see why we're in captivity. We have been wicked as a people. And so I've already proved um, from some of these other p- passages that we looked at, like in Judges 17 18, that even though when you're reading it, we don't see a strong condemnation from God in that passage, we showed how in Psalms it said God abhorred Israel because of this. So um, I, I, we are not going out on a limb. I am not stretching anything when I say what Israel does in this chapter is terrible and God was not pleased with it. Without a doubt, even though the Bible doesn't tell us, I can go to other places in the Bible and see exactly what God thinks about it. And so I'm going to, I just want to hit these verses first to just kind of remind us of some things to show us how God feels about certain things, just to prove to you that what we're about to see and the claims I'm going to make about Israel and what they did in this chapter are true. They were wrong. Nothing that they did in this chapter was right, was good. It's terrible. So Deuteronomy 25, 13 says, thou shalt not have in thy bag divers weights, a great and a small. Thou shalt not have in thine house divers measures, a great and a small. But thou shalt have a perfect and just weight, a perfect and a just measure shalt thou have, that thy days may be lengthened in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. For all that do such things and all that do unrighteously are an abomination unto the Lord thy God. Folks, what does God think about cheats? What does God think about dishonest practices? It's an abomination to him. God does not like when people use deception, trickery, when they make bad deals. That God does not like that kind of thing. It's an abomination. God said, don't do it. Proverbs 11 one says, a false balance is abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is his delight. Proverbs 20 verse 10, divers weights and divers measures. Both of them are alike abomination to the Lord. Uh, verse 23, divers weights are an abomination of the Lord. A false balance is not good. looks like God doesn't like divers weights. And again, a divers weight is one to use to cheat people, to use deceptive practices to take advantage of people in business. That's a wicked thing to do. Um, Ephesians 5, 4 says, When thou vowest a vow unto God, defer not to pay it, for he hath no pleasure in fools, pay that which thou hast vowed. Better is it that thou shouldst not vow then thou shouldst vow and not pay, suffer not thy mouth to cause thy flesh to sin, 
neither say thou before the angel that it was an error. Wherefore should God be angry at thy voice and destroy the work of thine hands? So God does not like us messing around, making vows, not following through, or changing the terms and conditions. You know, I, was, I made a mistake. God said, you know, you don't have to make a vow. Now, understand what we read in Proverbs and Ecclesiastes. It was written after this story. But understand, God has never liked these things. What we read in Deuteronomy about divers' measures was written before the book of Judges, the story we're about to see. But God uh, has other places too in the law about vows. They were supposed to pay these things. And when Israel would not do these things, this would upset God greatly. So keep all those things in mind. I just want to give us some reminders about how God feels about certain things. And so, uh, before we start going through this chapter, it's important to remind ourselves of a few things about the book of Judges. Because again, this might seem like kind of a strange chapter where somebody could read some things and get the wrong ideas. But without a doubt, the book of Judges is more of a summary of the great sins that Israel committed during the time of Judges that includes stories about God being merciful and delivering them from their enemies. That's pretty much the whole book. The book also is laying out historical facts and does not always include God's feelings about what they did. But we can figure out what God's feelings were based on other passages in the Bible that shows what he thinks about certain sins and specific references that God makes to these stories. If we know God at all, will know how God feels about this kind of thing, whether he says something or not. If you know me at all, and you're eating at a restaurant with me, and the waitress brings out my food and, and, and my burger has cheese on it, while I probably am not going to create a scene and act polite, if you know me, you're going to know how I feel. You know, My wife's going to be giving me that look. Like, don't do anything, don't do anything. Why? I didn't say anything. But if, if, if you know me, you know how much I just get upset by that kind of thing. In fact, the other day, I was eating at a different restaurant. I got a skillet. I love skillets. Told them no cheese. And they put cheese on it. And it was cheddar. Sometimes there's exceptions for cheddar. And so I was like, I'm going to power through and I'm going to eat it. It wasn't worth it. It wasn't worth it. And uh, I was very upset. And I always compared that place to Maples here in town. And I, I, I never could decide which one's better. I declared maples better. They never put, ever put cheese on my stuff. So anyway, I got to stop ranting about things that just really upset me. But, but anyway, another thing too. Uh, so yeah, so again, God, listen, God was not pleased with what Israel did in Judges 21. Okay? I have no doubt about that because I know God. I know what the Bible says in other places. Another thing too to remember about the book of Judges, it's not necessarily in chronological order. Okay? It's not necessarily in chronological order. And so the last three chapters basically is just going, I believe it's going back in time and showing a story about how Benjamin, the tribe of Benjamin, sinned greatly and they barely survived as a tribe. And we were, we're seeing how they became the smallest tribe. And so 1 Samuel is basically a continuation, you could say, of this book showing the transition from Judges where you can kind of say Samuel was the final judge except for his two sons that were very wicked and caused Israel to demand a king. And then God gave him a king. And guess what tribe God gave him a king from? The tribe of Benjamin. 
the smallest of uh, all the tribes. And you know what? That didn't go well for Israel, did it? God basically gave Israel what they wanted with Saul. But then later, God came along and we see a beautiful picture of replacement theology where God replaces King Saul and, and puts King David in there, a man after God's own heart. And, uh, and David, uh, we see, was basically the first, in the first individual that we've probably seen or the first leader in Israel since Joshua who wholly followed the Lord with all his heart. We see a lot of other guys that did good things, but they weren't completely following the Lord with all their heart. They were doing a lot of good stuff. But David was the first one that just, I mean, he wanted to do everything God wanted him to do. And David made a lot of mistakes. But David, his heart was in the right place. And so um, the book of Ruth that's in between uh, Judges and 1 Samuel, I believe it's, it's placed there too because it took place during the time of Judges. But also... It's setting up some things about the lineage of David, too, who's the guy that's going to come along uh, and uh, replace Saul, the man after God's own heart. And by the way, it is not just a story about the lineage of David, but it's included in there because it's a story about the lineage of the chosen one, Jesus Christ. It's Jesus's lineage. And so um, everything that's in the Bible, it's all there for a reason. And so a lot of interesting stuff there. But last week, again, we saw how Benjamin was mostly destroyed with only a remnant left after their error of protecting the Sodomites. So now let's start going through this chapter and see some uh, interesting things. It says, Now the men of Israel had sworn in Mizpah, saying, There should not any of us give of his daughter unto Benjamin to wife. And Mizpah is where they had gathered against Benjamin. And I can't say this for sure, but it, it would appear to me that this vow, um, this vow was probably made before the battle took place. Uh, and, and I'll show you that why here in a little bit. I, I'm not for sure, but it probably was before. And so if the vow was before, I think it was probably because they weren't expecting to wipe out most of the tribe of Benjamin. And so they're kind of mad at them at this point. And they're like, hey, let's make a vow. We're not giving any of our daughters to Benjamin, to wife. So it's a vow they make. They have to stick to this now as a people. And so it was. Uh, if it was after it, if they did do the vow after it, and I doubt they did, it was probably just because they were angry at Benjamin You know, when they could see that they weren't really sorry for what they had done. But I think it was probably before. And so verse 2, And the people came to the house of God and abode there till even before God and lifted up their voices and wept sore and said, O Lord God of Israel... Why has this come to pass in Israel that there should be today one tribe lacking in Israel? And so while they were rightfully upset with Benjamin, while they rightfully wanted to make sure that they avenged the woman's death and took care of these Sodomites, they didn't want to see the tribe destroyed. That was not what they wanted to see happen. But it was something that had to be done. But, you know, they didn't really need to be happy about it. You know, whenever, uh, again, like we, I think I was talking about this on Sunday, a good judge is going to sentence people to prison. Okay? He doesn't have to enjoy it, but he ought to do it. If he's a good judge, he, you know, a good judge will sentence people to death if they deserve it, if that's what the law calls for. But he doesn't have to necessarily enjoy it. And Israel, they needed to take care of this, this problem in Benjamin. But again, it's, I don't think they were wrong for not necessarily being happy about it. But they should have just 
dealt with it. And their reaction here makes me think that their vow was before because while they were upset with Benjamin, they didn't want to see them cease to exist as a tribe. I don't think they expected that many of them to die. It says, It came to pass on the morrow that the people rose early and built there an altar and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings. And the children of Israel said, Who is there among all the tribes of Israel that came not up with the congregation unto the Lord? For they had made a great oath concerning him that came not up to the Lord of Mizpah, saying, He shall surely be put to death. So I want you to notice what they're doing here because it's kind of interesting. So remember, they're sorry for what's going on with Benjamin. Benjamin is about to cease to exist as a tribe because most of their men have died and they don't have any women to marry. And they have all vowed, the other 11 tribes, that they're they're not going to give any of their daughters for them to wife. So what are they going to do? So what do they do? They remember another vow that they made that, hey, we're going to kill anyone that doesn't come with us to go against Benjamin. And so what they're doing right now is basically they're saying, what can we do to work around this vow that we made? Now, I don't know if there's any groups in the world today that are really good at making contracts and deals and are always finding ways around the terms and conditions. Uh, I'm not going to do any stereotyping or anything like that tonight. But, right here in this story, we're seeing Jews that are doing this very thing where they're trying to find a workaround, a deal that that they made. Okay, I don't believe in stereotyping and anything like that because I'm I'm very politically correct. But um, that's basically what's going on here. They're like, how can we help out Benjamin? Because we regret this vow that we made but we don't want to break our vow. So they thought about another vow that they made about killing anyone who didn't come. And it says in verse 6, And the children of Israel repented them for Benjamin, their brother, and said, There is one tribe cut off from Israel this day. So they did. They regretted that vow. They repented of the vow they made. They were sorry that they had made this decision, this vow, this decision. They didn't, and they didn't want to see any more suffering with Benjamin. So they're trying to figure out how can we still keep this vow and yet help out Benjamin. They're looking for loopholes that they could take advantage of. And it says, How shall we do for wives for them that remain, seeing we have sworn by the Lord that we will not give them of our daughters to wives? And they said, What one is there of the tribes of Israel that came not up to Mizpah to the Lord? And behold, there came none to the camp from Jabesh Gilead to the assembly. For the people were numbered, and behold, there were none of the inhabitants of Jabesh Gilead there. And the congregation sent thither 12,000 men of the valiantest and commanded them saying, go and smite the inhabitants of Jabesh Gilead with the edge of the sword, with the women and the children. And this is the thing that ye shall do. Ye shall utterly destroy every male and every woman that hath lain by man. Now understand that, you know, these are other Jews. Now the Bible doesn't tell us what tribe they're from, but there's a specific city, Jabesh Gilead. And so they like, all right, go kill all the women or all the men and the women that have laid by man. And they found among the inhabitants of Jabesh Gilead, 400 young virgins that had known no man by lying with any male. And they brought them to the camp to Shiloh, which is in the land of Canaan. And the whole congregation sent some to speak to the children of Benjamin that were in the rock remnant to call peaceably unto them. And Benjamin came again at that time. And they gave them wives, which they had saved alive of the women of Jabesh Gilead. 
and yet so they suffice them not. So again, when you read this story, if this doesn't set well with you, understand it shouldn't set well with you. This is terrible. This is kind of messed up. Again, we often read these stories as if Israel is always a good guy and can do no wrong. But also that in, in the book of Judges, we're seeing even the good guys are bad in the book of Judges. That's how bad Israel was during this time. And again, this is why it was a big deal when David finally came along. Because he was the first guy who wholly followed the Lord. So they went and said, all right, we can't give any of our daughters a wife. But you know what? There was one group that didn't come with us. They didn't make that vow. And we had also made a vow we were going to kill anyone that didn't come up with us. And they weren't even thinking about that before. Now they're like, you know what? Let's go wipe them out. We'll take all the virgins and then we'll give them to Benjamin. And so they did. They got 400, but that wasn't enough. That, that wasn't sufficient for Benjamin. And so they're like, all right, so we got to figure something else out. You know, we're checking all the loopholes. You know, we don't like this deal that we made, but we're going to find some way to do some kind of work around so we can get what we want. And it says, and the people repented them for Benjamin because that the Lord had made a breach in the tribes of Israel. So they're regretting what they'd done to Benjamin again. And they did the right thing to Benjamin. God told them to go up against Benjamin. Benjamin had this coming. And listen, you know, again, I, I almost think this is why God gave them Saul as king first. It was almost like some more punishment for what they'd done with Benjamin. You know, it's like all the bad that happened with Saul, it was like punishment for this. And that's a very interesting thing when you read the Bible, when you're studying, studying the history in the Bible, how often sins that they committed came back to haunt them generations later. And that was why God made a really big deal about some of these things, because there were epic consequences for not following the Lord. I mean, look at, and, and really all the suffering that we've seen in these last few chapters, all of it comes down to them not following Leviticus 20.13. If they follow, if, if they would have followed Leviticus 20.13, we have that none of these problems. Benjamin doesn't get almost wiped out as a people. Israel doesn't lose, I think it was 40,000 of their men. I mean, you know, that woman doesn't get raped and murdered. None of these things happen if they just follow Leviticus 20.13. And it probably only would have been a few guys they'd have had to take care of. Maybe just two. Maybe, that, maybe just two. If they'd have done that, that would have stopped it. From, but it spread and we have all these terrible consequences. So verse 16, Then the elders of the congregation said, How shall we do for wives for them that remain, seeing the women are destroyed out of Benjamin? And they said, There must be an inheritance for them that be escaped of Benjamin, that a tribe be not destroyed out of Israel. Howbeit, we may not give them wives of our daughters, for the children of Israel have sworn, saying, Cursed be he that giveth the wife to Benjamin. Then they said, Behold, there is a feast of the Lord in Shiloh yearly in a place, which is on the north side of Bethel, on the east side of the highway, that goeth up from Bethel to Shechem, on the south of uh, Labona. Therefore, they commanded the children of Benjamin, saying, Go and lie in wait in the vineyards. Now, folks, watch this. This is about to get really bad. And, they're, and understand, they're, they're telling Benjamin to do this to their own people. Okay? It says, And see, and behold, if the daughters of Shiloh come out to dance and dances, then come ye out of the vineyards, and catch you, every man his wife, of the daughters of Shiloh, 
and go to the land of Benjamin. Remember, Shiloh is where the house of the Lord was. That's where the tabernacle was. This is a holy place. All these people that are coming to Shiloh are coming there to worship the Lord. They're coming to offer sacrifices. They're coming to actually be obedient and do what God said. And so Benjamin, so or Israel, because they're upset about the vow that they made, they go and they concoct this plan of how they can help Benjamin get wives without them violating their vows. And so they tell them to go, and it says, and it shall, and basically kidnap these women. Just go kidnap them. And it says, and it shall be when their fathers or their brethren come unto us to complain that we will say unto them, be favorable unto them for our sakes, because we reserve not to each man his wife in the war, for ye did not give unto them at this time that ye should be guilty. So basically, what Israel did here to get around their vow, they told Benjamin, go kidnap your wives. And then, but Benjamin, they're not stupid. Well, if we go kidnap a bunch of women, we're going to get more people mad at us. But then they, the other, these tribes are basically saying, listen, when they come to us to complain, we will tell them to leave you alone and let you get, and, and they will be in the clear because they didn't give you their daughters and wives. You just took them. Now, this is terrible. Okay, so this is, uh, them just trying to find a workaround. This, this reminds me of teenagers a lot of times where it's like, you know, when, if you have to spell everything out for them, you know, that's usually a sign of rebellion. When I was a youth director, you had to watch out for stuff like that. You know, you could tell kids, you know, don't throw things, you know, at other people. But that's like, I didn't throw it. I handed it to them through the air. You know, I mean, I, I, a friend of mine actually said that one time to his teacher. And, it was, and he was kind of being funny then. But, you know, they would typically do that kind of stuff. And this is like, well, you know, I, 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 I didn't throw it. I tossed it. It's just like, you know, it, you always had to choose your words very carefully because they would like turn all lawyer on you. And this is just a sign of rebellion. You know, and you'd have to say things exactly right. I, I told a kid one time he was drinking too many energy drinks. And I said, no more monsters. Later, I see him drinking a Red Bull. And I thought, and I, I told myself, I said, no more energy drinks. And he said, you said no more monsters. And it was true. I did say no more monsters. But I'm like, it's the same thing. And then the funny thing, later that night, I saw him drinking a Mountain Dew. <laughs> it's not an energy drink. <laughs> it's like, you know, you have to get so specific with these kids sometimes. It's so frustrating. And it's just a sign of rebellion. But the truth is, you know, just because, you know, your parents maybe worded something in a very specific way, you know, typically we understand the spirit of what they're saying. You know, when your parents are telling you, if you're hitting your sister, leave them alone, stop hitting your sister, that doesn't mean it's okay not to kick your sister just because they said stop hitting them. You know, you ought to get the point. They don't want you messing with your sister. And so Israel, again, they made this vow because Benjamin needs to suffer for what they had done. Now, notice too how one of the reasons they're so upset is they're like, you know, this isn't right that we would have one tribe lacking in Israel. But the truth is, there were still some of the tribe of Benjamin left. And you know, if God wanted to, God could have multiplied them. We see in the Bible how God would often bless people and multiply them greatly. They didn't need to go breaking their vows. 
They didn't need to go doing crooked deals. God could have blessed them if God so chose to do that. And I just heard a guy this week talking about the 144,000 too and just talking about how, you know, God knows who they are and, you know, God can make all these things happen. I was like, yeah, and you know what else God can do when it comes to Jews? He could raise up children of Abraham from stones. Stop worrying about DNA. (laughs) why, Why are we still talking about this? Why are we still worrying about that? But again, God, God could have blessed Benjamin just fine. God could take care of these things. But you know what Israel's doing here? Israel's so backslidden on God. They're so far away from God that they, they're not even factoring God into the plan and into the solution to this problem. And so what they're trying to do here is terrible. And so uh, just be careful the type of people you get involved in contracts with. Be careful because some people out there, it's not a matter of doing right and wrong for them. It's a matter of what can I get away with? Who will the courts side with? And people that are like that are wicked people that we should never want to do business with. You know, when you got to sign, you know, you know, you know, when you have to sign 50 million papers, it's because you're probably dealing with crooked people. When you got to get super specific, it's because you're probably dealing with crooked people. And the reason we've got so many disclosures and things that you have to sign all the time is because somebody made deals with certain types of people and they found ways around it and then somebody else is just trying to figure out ways to protect themselves from that. And it's, it's, it's bad and it's sad. You know, we ought to be able to go back to just being able to do a handshake. But um, when you allow certain types to infiltrate communities, you can't do that stuff anymore because they do tricky stuff like this. And so it says, And the children of Benjamin did so and took them wives according to their number of them that danced whom they caught and they went and returned unto their inheritance and repaired the cities and dwelt in them. And the children of Israel departed thence at that time, every man to his tribe and to his family. And they went out from thence, every man to his inheritance. So, I mean, right there, they basically took care of the problem in their way. And again, I've always looked at this story and I've read it and I've thought, this doesn't seem right. It doesn't seem right that you would go and the way you're going to solve a female shortage problem is to just go kidnap a bunch of women. And let me tell you, we do have a shortage of good eligible females in the world today. But you know what the solution isn't? Going and kidnapping women. Okay, That's not the solution. Nobody should go to Judges chapter 21 and use it as justification to go, you know, kidnapping women. I was like, well, from heathen families, especially from heathen families. You know, don't do it to Christians. Don't do it to heathens. You know, you're going to regret. It. And they, and these were obviously Jewish girls that they kidnapped. But this, this was wrong. And notice the last verse of Judges says, in those days there was no king in Israel. Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. What's it doing right there? It is basically explaining how they are able to get away with this kind of thing. There was no king in Israel. And folks, I just want to kind of preach to you a little bit about this, I, this, this terrible idea of a world where everyone does that which is right in their own eyes. It's not good. It is not, it's not a good thing. When everyone does that which is right in their own eyes, you know what we see? We see sodomites being okay. We see rape being okay. We see see stealing being okay, being crooked, 
being okay. What is one of the justifications that people often have for crimes? A lot of times their attitude is, well, they have it coming. One of the things that we're seeing going on in our country right now that is an epidemic, and I won't, I won't do any stereotyping or anything either, but we have, we have just looting of stores going on all the time where people can just boldly walk into a store and just start filling up a bag and just walking out like nothing. And people look at that and they're like, how can they do that? You know why? how a lot of these people justify it? They call it reparations. You know, we're not getting our reparations. And so we're just going to go steal. And then everybody's like, well, you know, they have insurance. But you know what? That's why all our insurance is going up too. You realize we're all paying for that. And, you know, and the Democrats are letting these people get away with it because they think we deserve to pay reparations. And since they can't get these things passed in Congress, they're letting these things happen to everybody. And we're all paying for it. And th this is wrong. It shouldn't be going on. But understand what these people are doing is right in their own eyes. They don't see it as wrong. You and I, hopefully, if we walked into a Walgreens and just started taking things, we would feel super guilty. Even if we knew the cops weren't going to do anything, even if we knew we weren't going to be able to get away with it, we would feel super guilty. There's a lot of things that we might be tempted to do or things that we desire to do, but you know, we have a conscience and we, and we have the Holy Spirit. And even people who aren't saved can have a conscience and can feel guilt about doing certain types of sins, but just understand the more sin goes unchecked, the more sin goes unpunished, the more people just become callous to those things and it doesn't bother them. They feel justified. Well, you know what? They ripped me off. So you know what? I'm going to rip them off. And it's just a chain reaction. It keeps getting worse and worse. And one of the things we're seeing constantly is just more and more dishonesty, more and more crooked behavior. And this is why too, way back in Deuteronomy, okay, when God gave Israel the law, these laws that God gave, they were, they were almost prophetic because God knew what would happen if everyone just did that, which was right in their own eyes. And that's why he gave the laws about not having divers weights, great and small, not having a false balance, but a perfect and a just weight. We are supposed to do that, which is fair. And notice what it says, that thy days may be lengthened in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. But you know what? Israel's days were not lengthened. Israel's days were cut short because of the fact that they went against God's law and they were not fair. They were not honest with people and it was an abomination to God. These, I mean, you, listen, that's what God says about homosexuality is an abomination. You don't want to get things put in that category. That's, that's not a good thing. You don't want to go have such a sorry relationship with God that you don't mind going against vows. And understand too, when you look at Judges 21, you know, if, if you're not careful, you can look at this and say, well, you know, these guys, they were just trying to fulfill the vow that they made to God. But we've already seen in the book of Judges, dumb, foolish vows. We saw that with Jephthah. Okay? And I've heard people try to justify his vow. That was a dumb, misguided vow that he didn't need to make. We see later King Saul making foolish vows where he's telling, he say, we're going to kill anybody that eats while they're in the middle of a battle. You don't declare a fast while you're in the middle of a battle. That's foolish. Your men need their strength. Well, he was just trying to show faith. 
Well, you know, again, if God would have told him to do that, it would have been fine, but he just did it. And when you, we see people doing foolish things like that, it's not them showing faith, it's them tempting God when they do that kind of thing. And that's the kind of thing that Saul did. This was a bad vow, and, but when you see how you know, serious they took not breaking that vow, don't mistake that for a fear of God, because again, what it probably was is more just a fear of everyone else in Israel. Well, it's like if we don't follow through on this, these people aren't going to trust us anymore. You know, if we don't fight, because it was probably the leaders that were the ones that came up with that and the men followed them. And so chances are, it wasn't even so much a fear of God. It was a fear of the people. So what did they do? Let's come up with a solution to where we're not violating our vow. And then the people, you know, will see that we're good, trustworthy people. But the truth is, if these people had had any brains at all, they'd be like, "We, we can't trust these guys. If they make a vow, if they make a promise to me, you know what? If it suits them, they're probably going to try to find some loophole in some way around it. You know how wicked that kind of thing is? But people do that kind of thing all the time. And that's exactly what the Jews did in this chapter. And we see this throughout the book of Judges. We see it in the beginning. We see it in the end. And in, the, in those days, there was no king in Israel, but every man did that which was right in their own eyes. And something else I, w- I think it's important for us to understand and, and I want to cover this because I, I don't plan on like going right into 1 Samuel. But when we read 1 Samuel, okay, I, I, it's, it's clear that God, it was not God's will for them to have a king. Okay? It, it wasn't God's will for them to have a king. But at the same time, when you're reading Judges, it's like, well, part of the problem was they didn't have a king. But again, under, understand that... The the better system was a system of judges, and that's, but that's only better if you have a people who love the Lord, who fear God, and are obedient to His commandments. And if you don't have a people who love and fear God and are obedient to His commandments, you know what you need? You need a king who will force them to do it. Now, I don't know about you, but I like freedom. I really do. But when freedom turns into lawlessness when it turns into wickedness you know what's going to happen you're going to lose that freedom and that's exactly what's happening in our country in our country we used to have a lot more freedom but what happened our nation got more and more wicked as we have become more and more godless as we have become more and more unchurched you know what we're seeing we're seeing our freedom go You know, the atheist crowd out there, they are bragging about the amount of, uh, or about what the the percentages of people going to church. It is on the decline big time. And they're also thrilled to death about the number of homos going up too. And you know what else they love and are cheering? The freedom that we're losing. Yeah, you know, they love that because to them, freedom is, is doing that which is right in their own eyes. But folks, we see what that turns into. It always turns into captivity. It always turns into bondage. And you know what? I Eventually, if we are not destroyed by an invading army, we'll probably just destroy ourselves with disease. We're already destroying ourselves with disease. Crime is on the rise. 
says, while they love seeing the increase of LGBT freaks, you know what? They don't particularly care for the increase in crime, the increase in diseases. Look what's going on in these cities. Look what's going on in these big population centers. Everyone is doing that, which is right in their own eyes. And it's to the point now where we don't have a constitution anymore. We don't have a system where we have states' rights and where we have uh, you know, local law enforcement or anything like that. And we do one of the, and one of the things, if we're ever going to fix any of this, we're probably just going to have to have a king or a dictator come in and he's going to just end up killing a ton of people. <laughs> but it's the only thing that's going to keep us from destroying ourselves. Not saying I want that to happen necessarily. I mean, I want, I want whatever needs to take place to take place to make things better. But, e- but either way you look at it, when people do that, which is right in their own eyes, it is devastating to them. It is devastating to societies, and we have seen proof after proof throughout the book of Judges. And you know, people, they do, they get so mad, and I, I really wish, you know, Christians at least, okay? Obviously, the atheists are never going to accept what the Bible says. But I'm tired of Christians getting embarrassed when atheists point out all the genocide in the Bible and all the people that God said to go kill. But here's the thing. If we would actually pay attention to those stories, and if we would go and trace those stories backwards, you know what we'll always see? Israel being disobedient in those pesky little laws like Leviticus 20.13, stoning adulterers, you know, whatever it was, whatever it is people get offended by. You know, the, some of the laws about fornicators and things. Everybody gets so offended by that stuff. But then they get more offended when they see thousands of people getting killed later. It's like, that's the result. That, that's what happens. And it's, it's so hypocritical how you have people that they'll, you have one group or you have two groups. They're both atheists who say, you know, what? I cannot believe in the God of the Bible. I will never believe in a God that would tell us we have to put these people to death, and those people to death, blah, blah, blah. And then you have another group of atheists that says, I can't believe in God because I can't believe in a God that would allow murder and rape and all these other things to go on. And it's just like, um, God told us how we could avoid all that stuff. But that's one of the reasons you don't like God. See, what people want is they want to be able to live in a world where they can do that which is right in their own eyes and there's no consequences. Sorry, that doesn't work. I might want to go skydiving without a parachute and walk away from it. But I'm not going to. If I go skydiving without a parachute, I'm going to go splat on the ground and I'm going to die. That's just the laws of physics. And you know what? You might, you know, there's people in this world, they might want to be able to just do whatever wickedness their hearts desires and everything turn out great and be wonderful, but that is not the way life works. That is not the way science works. They are going to they are going to suffer. They are going to get diseases. These marriages aren't, aren't going to work. If, when, when you start going against the, uh, the things that God set up, it's not going to work. So understand, when we are reading the book of Judges, while we see some heroes in there, while we see some good guys that are in there and God used some people, it is full of shameful behavior, things that God hated, things that God was displeased with, and things that Israel paid for dearly. I would encourage everyone, you know, sometimes, I, I think we, we don't pay enough attention 
to a lot of the details the Bible gives. For example, I'm not going to be able to quote it. I don't have it in my notes. But remember that um, passage in the Bible? People get offended by it. It creeps them out. Where it says, Happy shall he be that dasheth thy little ones against the stones. That sounds terrible. You know what? That was a prophecy against Babylon that basically they were going to get what had been done unto them. And you know what Babylon did? They came through Israel and they picked up little children, little babies, and smashed their heads against the stones to kill them. Can you imagine seeing something like that as a mother? Just seeing some invading army come through and just slaughter your children? Can you imagine, you know, as a man, some invading army come through and seeing people, you know, take advantage of your wife? Israel saw all that stuff. The Bible talks about it. It's, it's something that's not in there a lot. We see it in some of the prophecies. These are horrible things that we ought to take the time to imagine what that would be like. And then we need to ask ourselves one, a couple questions. One, how did this happen? Why did this happen? And you know what? We find out why. It's when Israel went against God. It's when they did that which is right in their own eyes. And there are consequences for sins. And so the book of Judges, we see not only several of the big consequences. Okay? We don't, what we see in here are not the main consequences. The main consequences came much later in Israel's history So understand, God was not pleased by what they did. And if any punk ever comes along and wants to justify kidnapping a woman, you know, to get a wife, and he uses judges, just understand that person does not know their Bible very well. And uh, anybody here ever justifies anything like that, let me know so we can kick them out of the church. Uh, We don't want any kidnappers in our church. But what we're seeing in the story is a clear indicator. Israel was not wholly following the Lord. They should have just trusted God who could have just blessed Benjamin and multiplied them greatly. But they took matters into their own hands and they got in more trouble with God. I mean, folks, what do you think would have happened if Benjamin would have just said, we're sorry. Lord, we've sinned greatly. We have paid. We have gotten what we deserved. We are about to cease to exist as a people but Lord, we're asking your blessing. I, God could have multiplied them greatly. God could, God could have helped them out. God could have blessed them. But far too often, we go against God's laws thinking it's for the greater good. But folks, without God's blessing, we can't hope to accomplish anything. You want to know why we're seeing a lot of the weird stuff we're seeing in churches today? Because people thought it'll fill up the building and then we'll give the people the gospel. Listen, we, we never help anything by sinning. Okay? Ultimately, what we need to get people saved is the power of God, the Holy Ghost. And when we sin, we're not helping. We are better off being in a position where we are dependent on a miracle than a situation where we have it all figured out but are in disobedience. Didn't God get Israel out of a lot of impossible situations? You better believe he did. And Israel, Israel always did have a faith problem. And you know what? It cost them everything. And Israel, eventually, as a result of it, ceased to exist. They were destroyed, scattered abroad. And now we just have fake Israel that's out, out there today. And it's, it's, a, it's a shame, but it's what happens when you don't obey God's laws. And so uh, don't ever let these 
people too that are just embarrassed by the Bible get, make you embarrassed about God's laws in the Bible. Don't, don't ever get embarrassed by Leviticus 20.13. Because Israel didn't follow Leviticus 20.13, we have Judges 19, 20, and 21. And because America hasn't followed that, look what we have going on today. Absolutely horrible. So with that, let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for these stories and the lessons that we can learn from them. And I pray, Lord, you'll uh, help us to learn from these things. Lord, And I, I pray that you'll help our nation to uh, turn in the right direction in some of these areas. Lord, there is no doubt we are on a fast track to total destruction, but we pray that there will be uh, some repentance in this nation and turning from these things and that we can get back to some more biblical and traditional values and uh, see uh, perversion dealt with properly so we can ha stop having so many victims. And I pray that you'll just uh, keep everyone here safe uh, from the evil that's in this world and help us to be a light. In your name we pray. Amen.